0: One small step
1: per man, one per man, Columbia, Columbia. Time out to the AOS. Slide out To another episode of the TKW Podcast. We're back. It was an exciting last half of the game. We're recording right after the Knicks lost to the Sixers. A lot to glean from that. We've had a little bit going on the week as well. Uh, Here to break it down with me, I've got Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? That's at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. I've got Brian Giverman.
0: Mitchell Robinson is the only human being on this entire earth that I care about. That's at Brian Gibberman on Twitter.
1: I'm Anthony Corbo at Corbo Anthony. Make sure you're following the Next wall on Twitter. Make sure you're following TKW podcast. Head to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Please leave us a five-star subscription or five-star. What is it? Uh, review yep. for our podcast on iTunes. At least, you know what? You get all mixed up with the plugs. They all start to sound the same after a while. Uh, do all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about there. Uh, let's talk about the Sixers a little bit. So they pulled off the win against the Knicks. We saw, but we saw some interesting lineups in the third quarter. We saw some interesting lineups in the fourth quarter, a big run from the bench. They scored, uh, 66 points. Our, that was at some point in the game, 66 points, like by the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was, uh, it it was a pretty eye opening game for a lot of players. Mitchell Robinson, especially. I think that's where we could start tonight. He had a double, double, uh, three blocks in there as well he looked this is this might be his best stretch of the season wouldn't you say Brian
0: oh without question it's not even close and I, I don't even know where to start with him man like it's what's happening right now is like a game changing the level he's playing at coming from where he did and not playing college basketball this year and the growth he's showing across this singular season, it's legitimately a franchise-changing type thing that's happening. In 1920, he's paid one million uh, five hundred fifty-nine. Five. I can't read. A little over one million five hundred thousand dollars. Twenty twenty-one, a little over one million six hundred thousand dollars. Twenty-one twenty-two, a little over one million eight hundred thousand dollars. Like this. Having a player that's going to play at the level he's going to across those three years at that price, it, it molds what you are able to do with a roster in a way that pretty much no other player in the league is going to be able to.
1: Yeah, he, he could be the best per-value player in the league within two or three years. I agree with that.
2: I mean, he he makes no money. I don't know how his, um, I, I'm going to sound ignorant for a second, but I'll open it up to you guys. Um, I don't know if that's a standard second round deal or if his agent just was an abysmal, abysmal agent because it just seems like it's so, it, it seems like it's too good, you know? But um, so is that normal?
0: Uh, there are guys who have done it in the past. Uh, Morey was someone who always tried to get guys signed to these four long four year deals because if they pop, it turns into the crazy value like Robinson is. The, the, Robinson was right to fire his agent that signed this contract with him. It was very stupid. He should have done he should have gotten like three million over the first two years and then been done with it that. So he gave himself some security and then got to free agency earlier. like this it, it's this is nuts.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if he's gonna play like, and this is why I remember a couple of weeks ago, I I made the comment that I thought Trier was the mo the best rookie up until that point, and you know, just from what he could bring consistently on both ends, Um, and you know, you can count on it, but. Now we're starting to see Mitchell Robinson piece it together. And I think Mitch just from like a talent perspective probably has been the most encouraging this season, but I just wanted to see him stay on the floor consistently. And now he's doing that pretty regularly. I think this is the fifth game in a row where he had a double digit scoring. And I think this is the second, in the last five games with a double double um, he's just been rebounding a little bit better. The defense has been tremendous as expected, but you know, just getting involved in the flow of the offense as simple as his actions are just those little cuts and like dashes to the rim. I mean, that's that, that's really all he needs to do. And it seems like he's tightening things up really nicely right now. So um, it's, it's, it's very enjoyable even in the midst of this 18 game losing streak. So hopefully he keeps it going.
1: You know, The biggest part to me is Mitchell Robinson's uh, rebound over the last few games has just been like, so much more impressive than it's been than any other part in the season. I mean, you take a look now, I'm d- I'm just reading off his game log. It, it, you know, he's had, he had eight tonight, he had seven the last game, six before that, ten before that, and then eight, seven, goes back like, oh, just over the entire, really since uh, the turn of the calendar, it, and since he got back from his injury, it took him a couple of games, but he's been just a tremendously more improved rebounder. I you know, I don't know what it is of him being better in position, playing with different players in the lineup, but uh, it it's it's been really impressive and a relief, honestly.
0: And p- part of where they're having success with him now, and Kyle, I is is the Cornet Mitch zone defense. Do you see what's happening there? That you're kind of like, oh, I hate zone defense, but yeah, this is this is good. Or you you don't buy that it has any long
2: term sustainability. I I just never believed that the zone should have long term sustainability i i truly don't but for what and, and i now just a couple of weeks ago too like i guess it depends what you mean by long term cuz it's like if it's you know while they're a bad team like this right now let's say they miss on the free agents next year and they're still implementing components to it i don't i think that's okay i don't think that's long term or anything but i mean like let's say next year they get kind of competitive again and, and durant's on the team like i don't want to see them go into zone you know like it, it would just I wouldn't want to rely on that. I just think it gets hairy sometimes with athletes like this. But for this instance, the situation, I thought it was okay.
0: All right. So you have when you have unique players who can do unique things, you have to find the best ways to leverage those skills. And sometimes it's something different that's never happened before, like with Steph Curry, him shooting at the volume of threes he did, with Michael Jordan, like all those players. Like, I'm, I'm not saying Mitchell Robinson is that good, but just when you have unique skills, you find ways to maximize them. And what he does with this zone defense, and they're playing Cornette with him. So Cornette's the guy who a lot of the time is closest to the rim, and they're basically using Robinson Robinson's length and his ability to cover so much space that he just completely shuts down one side of the court by himself. And it's a way he doesn't have to really go all the way out on the perimeter and he can still contest the threes. Plus as him and Cornette, especially they're so long that they're cutting off like those little spaces in the middle at the elbow and the foul line where usually you're giving up one of those. You're giving up the threes. You're giving up the foul line shot. You're giving up something, but they're able to contest from far away and they use their length to cut off space and cut off passing lanes. That I think the zone is something that really works. And you add in they they don't even have Frank like you add in another guy with like Frank's length and say they do get someone like Durant, you put you put Durant's length in something like this with Mitchell Robinson, it's something that I, I think Fisdale might have fallen into something not really realizing the kind of upside that it has. I, I really want to see them continue to experiment and use this.
1: I'm going to get fucking massacred for saying this. But it does make you think, imagine what could have happened with Porzingis in uh, the Cornet spot, right? Uh, I brought that up on Twitter today. Yeah. <laughs> we're no we're moving forward, we're past it. Everything's great. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like but I do agree with the lineups. And it, it's interesting with the zone defense and how that kind of works out in that sense. But uh it, you know, on offense too, having Robinson and Cornette out there didn't necessarily look like it was too clogged tonight. And then alongside that, I mean, they got a lot of minutes together. You had that really impressive run at the end of the third quarter uh, where you also had Kadeem Allen playing. You had Alonzo Triria, Damian Dotson, uh, and you had uh, Lance Thompson there for stretches too. Uh, it, it was a, I mean, they played a pretty phenomenal game at that point, and, and the the Cornette-Robinson pairing looked to be effective. It brought them back from a huge deficit.
0: I'm sitting here trying to update NBA.com. They haven't put the numbers for that lineup the last two games, but I think the Mitchell and Cornette duo has done really well together. And part of the reason it is, is with the zone, they're able to keep both of them in their comfort zones and not really get them. It doesn't let Cornette get, get uh, exposed in space playing the four position. And on offense, you can still maximize his shooting. So you're still playing that four out style. So in a weird way, even though it's two seven-footers and one of them doesn't have great foot speed and you wouldn't want either of them guarding wings or guards out on the perimeter because of how you can leverage that zone plus use their offensive talents and Cornet's unique ability to shoot at seven feet and stay out even farther than the three-point line. Three, he can go two, three feet behind it. That it, The spacing still works offensively. It's some, It's a lot of fun. I hope this is something we see a lot more of the rest of the season. It is.
1: It is. I wonder, Kyle. Like you, I know you're not a fan of the zone defense, and there's a lot not to be liked in traditional lineups. But when you do have these guys who take up so much space down low, uh, just between both of their wingspans, and then, oh, you know, you have to play zone. But kind of like the other, the upside of that is that you get to play this four-out style on offense. You get to, you know, you get your best shooters on the floor pretty much all times. Like. Does that make it worth it to to give this zone an actual fair shot in uh you know in the lineups? I, I just think defensively it'll stretch you on the perimeter sometimes, and I know
2: the point about those two covering up a lot of ground, it, and it's it, it is a good and fair point because we saw you know Mitchell Robinson. Erase you know space away from Joel and Embiid on a you know those back-to-back possessions, and no matter which way Embiid tried to go, you know Robinson cut him off and then uses blank you know length to block the shot. So I, it, it is a very fair and valid point, but I just think in today's NBA, with how much shooting is emphasized and how much teams are sort of hunting for those shots and hunting to get those um, situations where they can stretch you out and just make that one extra pass, I. I'd prefer not to see it, especially when that's always been the Achilles heel for the Knicks is they can't guard the three-point line, no matter the team. So I would just, I don't want to see the zone all that much. I I think again, situationally, at least for this year and next, depending on the roster construction next year, I think it's okay if they're developing and it's helping them um, improve some things and, you know, but I I don't want to see it once the games start getting see it regularly anyway. I don't want to see it regularly and in like games that matter if we ever get good again.
1: I kind of want to focus a little bit more on some of the guard play and some of the backcourt players tonight. Like the Knicks had five players they're, or their top five players in, in scoring tonight. Four of them came off the bench, and it was a pretty well-distributed even game, especially amongst a lot of these guards. Uh, You had Dotson finish with 16 points. You had Trier with 19. You had Kadeem Allen had had 13 points in there. You you had Mitchell Robinson's 14, of course, too, but Dennis Smith Jr. even with another 13, even though he had an inefficient scoring game. Um, A lot of interesting... I I, know, I guess opportunities for each player in the game, Brian. Do you, what kind of opened up the outside a little bit more for these guys, or let them get inside a little bit more? What 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 was it from the
0: guards that made them effective tonight? Uh, Kadim Allen was the most effective out of any of them. I thought again, he's got he gets he gets in, he does a good job getting into the paint, and he's been shooting just respectable enough to keep players honest. And his ability to break down a defense has been nice. Dotson started off the game red hot. He hit like five of his first six, and then he kind of shot like crap the rest of the, the rest of the game. Uh, yeah,
1: he made a lot of long twos of beginning two, so that's ne- that's never a great sign. But uh, but yeah, he he was hot to start things off.
0: Yeah, and then Dennis, another his shooting continues to be a problem. the the finish I think the finishing is gonna come around. I feel like the last two two or three games he hasn't been finishing as good around the rim. I'm I'm confident that will perk back up, but. There's uh you're seeing the flaws in Dennis Smith's game, despite what the upside stuff and why it's worth investing time in him. But you do see why there are some issues also. So
2: two things. The first is Kadeem Allen is making me look very, very, very smart. And I thank him for that. Uh, I was high on him for a little while.
1: Wait, 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 wait. I I remember talking about Kadeem Allen on this podcast with you. Yep. And I remember you saying he might bring some defense. Yeah, I, I said. I remember I said if, he
2: could be a good rotational piece. I said. You said. I, you I, said I, no, specifically. I said, also, you, I said he's also a little bit of a playmaker. Go listen back to the tapes. I said these things, and then we discussed them. I brought it up on Twitter. It's I have received. I have Okay, you're
1: I, I, okay. You're looking very smart. Continue.
2: So I'm looking very smart, but no, it actually like it does feel good to actually hit on something like that. But he he looks good. Like it's another fine for the Knicks from the Westchester Knicks, you know, and that keeps happening. And I know that everybody wants to kind of force the issue on the, the culture change from like the top level. But I do think it does say something that the the minor league team here is consistently producing NBA players or rehabbing, you know, guys who were in the league to get back into the league. So, you know, this happened with Langston Galloway, happened with Trey Burke. We, you know, Luke Cornett is a straight up NBA player now. You know, Dotson was in there as a two way last year.
0: Hold on, what was that, Kyle, about Luke Cornett?
2: He's now an NBA player.
0: Oh. I I ain't crow on him. Uh, second, could he be the uh, backup center? I st- I still don't think so. I think he's I think he's oh, like give in, give I think in. he belongs in the
2: NBA, but he doesn't necessarily deserve minutes all the time.
0: You're gonna come around on that. We're we're getting we're inching closer.
2: <laughs> we will see he's, uh, he's
0: thinking,
2: and not, not as long as DeAndre Jordan going to put up these almost triple doubles right now my friend but um, not nah, Dennis I, but about Dennis though um, I think about your point about the driving like when, when you're a guard like and, and you get comfortable with the team even if he was at a position like he was with the Mavericks you still like know when guys are going to go or give you a little bit of room or something and I mean he's not going to have that in in the week and a half that he's been here. He doesn't know when guys are going to try to to do their little cuts or make their little moves and, you know, create those little pockets of space. So, I mean, that's just stuff he's going to feel out. So I agree with you there. The finishing is going to come around pretty regularly. I think Um, the jumper we've seen jumpers get, and if not fixed, helped before I just think they got to really invest like you said and put some time into him get him get him a legit coach I mean that's really the only thing if he can if he can shoot you know passably well from deep and get to the rim like regularly with ease like that that's already a very good player regardless of the defense
1: so what do you mean by get him a good coach
2: like a good jump shooting coach, like somebody to Oh,
1: okay, there. okay. I, I thought I thought you were calling for Fizzdales firing. For no, a no, no, no.
2: Just get him a ju- like. We we've seen.
1: I thought you were just too. bored at this point. No, no, no. But the,
2: but him and Allen have been
1: in, encouraging,
2: and it's it's fun.
0: Good guard play is fun. The biggest issue with the shooting aside with Dennis Smith and why the team hasn't been playing well when he's been on the court. I would, I think it's more about him playing with Jordan and Knox rather than what he is specifically doing. Like if you put, if you flipped Smith and Allen, I think the lineups with Robinson and Cornett would be having just as much much success with Smith in there. That's fair.
2: It looks like another thing I noticed with Smith too, and I brought this up on Twitter. I think it was a couple days ago. It looks like he's trying to over facilitate right now. Like, I, we, I think you and I have both kind of said we think he's a better passer than they gave him credit for. But it looks like now he's just in a new situation and he's trying to, like, always do the right thing. Like, he's always trying to make a pass. And I've noticed there's times when he'll cut into the paint and he's, like, waiting for someone to cut with him. But he, you know, he wants to keep the ball moving and no one cuts. And then he ends up kind of flailing and throwing the ball away. That's happened. Uh, I think it happened three times by my account tonight. And it happened a couple of times in, um, in Cleveland where he's looking to like dump it off to a trailer that was never there. So that's another issue that I've noticed with them. And I, I, again, I think some of that will get cleaned up, just getting familiar with these guys. But I think he's just trying to look to be a little bit too facilitative early on. And, and maybe sometimes it's OK to just pull the ball back out and just,
0: you know, calm down for a second. Is some of that, though, related to the shooting problems with the foul shots and the and the jumper?
2: It could be. I mean, I, I don't doubt it. I, I think it's probably all related early on, at least, to be honest. um, I think it's probably a little bit of all of it. Because you know what gets me about the jumper is he's not, like, miserable, miserable. Like, for his career, he's 32%. So that's why I'm saying, like, I know – I mean, it's been – terrible since he's been a neck for sure but you know 32 isn't good but it's also like when you're only 21 years old you know uh, a year and a half in the league that you can work with that like that that can certainly improve i'm I'm sick look like it
1: you know there's another player who is only a year and a half in the league who has not a great jumper right now but i don't think you're giving enough credit right now you know what i'm talking about don't, don't, let's not do this until he's healthy. <laughs> let's not do this. No, you're right. We can hold off until he's healthy. That's absolutely fine. And then scores more than eight points in back to back games, please. We, 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 can, we can do this. Yeah, we can do this uh, when he's healthy. Oh,
0: can, um, can I get one? So more what, but, yes, go. Yeah, sorry. Just one thing on the DSJ jumper and why the numbers are going down here compared to what they were in Dallas. I haven't looked it up, but I'm fairly certain that his catch and shoot numbers are significantly better than his dribble and shoot numbers. So, and his role here with the Knicks is a lot more on the ball rather than off the ball. So that's probably contributing to the dip. I, I, I'm pretty,
2: I'm, I'm 99% sure you're correct about him being a better spot up shooter. I'm, I think I've seen that
1: multiple times.
2: I'm, so what do you, a, a
1: catch and shoot? What do you guys think happens from here? The Knicks started a very weird lineup tonight. They had Dennis Smith Jr. out there. They had DeAndre Jordan. They had Kevin Knox in the two position. They had Noah Vonley out with them too. They had Mario Hazonia. Uh, you know that, that's kind of a huge lineup, and I think a lot of it was obviously to match up with uh, you know the size that Philly has, especially after you know the Tobias Harris trade and everything. But uh, you know obviously the bench really outplayed the starters tonight. They were responsible. They all of them have a much better plus minus than than the you know, than the starters. Is there any are, do you think this give Fizzdale any kind of like solid picture of what his rotation should be like moving forward? Like, do we see somebody like Dotson become maybe more of a mainstay with all the starters and play more in that group? I mean, I'd hope so. I I think Dotson's
2: I think he's actually a nice fit. We talked about, you know, next to uh Dennis Smith Jr. having Frank play next to him, but I, I think Dotson's actually a nice fit next to Dennis as well. So I liked when they started in those first couple of games. I thought they made a nice pair together. Um, you know, he's kind of gotten away from it now. I, I wish he would just kind of stick it out until at least Frank got back. I don't I don't think that the Knox thing really makes much sense at all. Um, I don't know how – I'm sure they can make it work offensively, I guess, but it's a little bit more seamless with Dotson, who's – you know, he doesn't need to dribble or do much with the ball. He's just kind of a catch-and-shoot guy. And, um, you know, defensively, Dodson's obviously much better than Kevin Knox's, to put it lightly. So I, I, I don't really get playing Kevin there. I don't get I don't get what we saw today other than just, again, just trying to experiment for the sake of experimenting.
0: That David Fisdale sat in his office or wherever he makes these decisions and went, hmm. Maybe it's a good idea if I play Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Knox, Mary Hozonia, Hose- and Noah Vonley together against the Sixers.
1: Where do you think David Fisdale makes his lineup decisions at? It's, I, I think it's his kitchen table. I think he's got like a little espresso machine next to him. It's got to be.
0: Wherever his wife is. This is true. But wherever he does make those decisions, that he thought this was like a good idea it's just like that stuff's so terrifying to me and i don't know how you trust a person who there's all sorts of different things you could have experimented with and that's what you come up with is just it's mind-boggling but i can't even say the word i can't speak it's stupid
1: That's a perfect way to put it. I think it, it's stupid. I think we're going to be seeing quite a bit more stupidity moving forward. We might see some glimpses of genius as well. So we'll look forward to those. Uh, in the meantime, I think maybe we should take a look at some of the tea leaves um, and look towards the future. Look towards uh, just what's just flat out call it Kevin Durant. Uh, a lot, A lot of interesting Kevin Durant things going on this week. Uh, and that's really what we all, what you're all here for. That's really why we do this at this point. It is basically just to hear unsubstantiated rumors and speculate on Kevin Durant. Uh, this first rumor comes from the mouth of of um, ESPN's Tim McMahon. He is a uh, reporter in Dallas, obviously has some ties to the Knicks from the, uh, the Porzingis trade going down, but he had this to say about... Uh, what the Knicks have in store for them to your point
2: the Knicks are either taking the biggest risk in recent memory or they've got something lined up and I Know this is suspicion that I hear over and over and over again is they've got something lined up
1: The suspicion that he hears over and over and over again is that they've got something lined up we last week did a all right, we're going to do this throughout this entire this entire segment here, but we last week talked about where we might be percentage-wise of Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks. After just this same McMahon statement, how much higher does that put you? Where are we right now, and how much higher does that put us? I think I'm at about 60. I think I'm at 60 now. I'm
0: 60% there. I forget what I said last week but it was extremely high and I'm just thinking... It was God exorbitantly me. high
1: and then I think you threw you threw something like way even you might have thrown like a 95% out there in the Slack chat. You,
2: yeah you you were up to 75 to 85% you said huh. that. So like and then and then so, in Slack you jumped to 95% after, <laughs> So now after it gets even the,
1: wilder after the yeah, okay,
2: whatever ventures uh, said that they were going to move to New York City. <laughs>
1: Well, that's yes. That's so. This is where we go into now, where KD has apparently moved. What? What? What is this company? It's it's his. It's it's, a YouTube company. Like, what's it do? It's his ventures company. It's his agency,
0: basically. I think it does like a bunch of like uh, Silicon Valley stuff. I I could be wrong about that, but I'm. I'm Oh wow! Stuff like that.
1: You know, it's really close to Silicon Valley. New York. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I I don't see any other reason why this, this company would move into New York other than Kevin Durant is pursuing. I, I'm at 60%. Uh, no, after reading this, this moves me up to like 70. Honestly, this is like a solid 10% jump. That's something that's tangible and substantial and something that just moves the needle up. Like maybe a smidge, like maybe up to 71% now is rich climbing. Uh, you know, went ahead and sent Alonzo Trier some very nice-looking uh, Louis Vuitton headphones that also happen to match the ones that Kevin Durant got from uh from you know the same place a couple of weeks ago. What is this like a like a clothing line or like a brand that's sending these out to people like they're kind of customizing them?
2: The what the earbuds? It looks like they're just yeah like Louis yeah Vuitton ones.
1: I'm trying to find the actual uh, note though. There's an oh here we go. Okay. So Alonzo Trier posts this on his uh, Snapchat story. It says, Hi Alonzo, it's from Master and Dynamic. That's at Master Dynamic on Twitter. Look at that, they got a free plug. Uh, it says, Hi Alonzo, I am thrilled to be sending you the just, receive, the just released Master and Dynamic x louis Vuitton wireless earphones. My new partners Kevin and Rich insisted that you be among the first to receive them. Enjoy, all the best, a signature that I can't read so I mean Kevin and Rich insisted that Alonzo Trier gets them Alonzo Trier is more than likely going to be in New York Nick next season I mean
0: eh. I, I can't go any higher I'm not the one in the slack. Doesn't count. See,
1: this bro. is it. This is it, man. This is what we were telling you. You jumped the gun. You like right from the beginning. You you're all the way up at like and like I believe you. If you're that sure, then you're that sure. But I mean, I, this is only gonna keep on leaking out, right? We have like, what? We're we're in February. We have to wait until July till he actually signs here. Granted, it'll slow down a little bit. I'm sure till you know right as uh, the playoffs go along or whatever. But you know we're gonna still be getting hints. For a long time, like this content's gonna keep on rolling through.
0: The second the playoffs ends, it's gonna be nuts.
1: Oh my god! I can't wait to see what Mitchell Robinson gets. Kevin Knox might get something too.
2: So I, I think, and not to now burst that bubble, but um, because oh. again, it could very, it could very well just still be what we think it is, because it, it still seems very strange. Uh, what do we some think it the, is? things you could link to it, but Alonzo Trier and Kevin Durant are supposed to have been pretty good friends going back a while.
1: This is true. I
2: understand that. So it's not really all that suspicious that he got something from his agent. However, what I do find suspicious is that he's the only other person to post those, I guess unless I'm missing something, who's posted those same earbuds. And they both posted the same ones, the same colors.
1: Okay, but on that same point, um, if if Alonzo Trier and now we're just getting like way into tabloid section, but if Alonzo Trier and Kevin Durant are that good of friends, like like Durant is one of the most calculated players in the NBA. He knows if he's sending something is to a Knicks he? player and it goes, yes, he is. is he, he absolutely is one of the most calculated players. Did, did he, I don't, did I'm not he, saying did he calculate the burners well enough? No, I, no, I'm not saying he's without fault. I'm not saying he, he's he's perfect, but he's also he is very calculated. He like. I'm not saying everything he does is done well or right. I'm saying he plans out his moves very carefully. Uh but you know, he but I think he is smart enough to know to tell his friend, "Hey, don't put this on, you know, Snapchat or or Instagram whatever," uh because it's going it, like he he knows if he sent it to, to a Knicks player, it's going to be speculated and speculated and speculated upon. He's stirring the pot. They both are. And that- it's fine. That we we live for it, but yeah, and and technically it's not from him; it's from the agent. But
2: yes, I, it's look. I, Kevin I, I and Rich insisted all want- of this, all I'm
1: not, all of this. It's you can. This is all planned, man. This is all, and I'm not, this ain't even a conspiracy at this point. I want to believe. I, I want to. I wish, I, wish
2: <laughs> I could be like like Brian, who just who just dove all in, and and occasionally I catch myself, and at the same time I'm just like, you know, we just. Really, like, and, and I'm being serious, I, I, I'm going to get slammed anyway, and I don't mean this to be, like, derogatory to the franchise or being about it or anything like that. And, and you guys know I believe in most of these kids and these, you know, the younger players in general. If Kevin Durant comes to the Knicks, he's not coming here because of the young guys. Nobody's coming here to play with Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson and Alonzo Stop Trier. Stop, as as watch your mouth. Okay? Okay, it's just it's not, and no one's coming to play with Frank Nilaquino and Damian Dotson. It's just not a thing. It's just it simply isn't. No matter how much. No, it, like it it's not. So I I, I understand he, that. If he comes, if he comes, it's out of the good. It's out of honestly the goodness of his heart. Going, your franchise is miserable and needs saving. I will be the one to do it. Me and my other superstar friend, who's going to come here together with me. Like that's the only. And that's fine. That's exactly.
1: That's exactly, that, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It, the fact that he also has, can have capable players around him who haven't you know, reached a level where they're going to man, demand their own spotlight, like, yeah, it's kind of a blank canvas for him for sure, but I think that's part of what the appeal is. I don't think it's necessarily all that. You know, he's looking to have a ton of players around him. He just wants to have you know, capable players who are able to compete for a little bit longer because he wants to be able to compete for a little bit longer, I think. I don't care. It's that- it's not. Yeah, it's not them. He's not. You're right. He's not coming for them. I just I want to get but I, it, the, it the would reason. be a, it'd be icing on t- on the cake if they're pretty fucking good. That might just convince him a little the, bit. The more. only
2: reason I'm saying this is because it, it's twofold. One, because. Because my my point immediately following it is, well, then how often have the Knicks signed a single like a plus like an, an a list, a real a list free agent with, with no real downside, you know, let alone two in one summer, and it just simply hasn't happened. So, I don't, I don't want to harp too much on the past, but at the same time, it's like when there's no on-court appeal, and that's never happened for you know really off the court reasons either in the last twenty or so years, especially. Then I don't want to go nuts talking myself into it because we've heard no, it, I, I agree things again, you know. But obviously, it would be you know tremendous. Obviously, I would, I would root very, very hard and delete. Ten or nine thousand suites of mine. <laughs> but, um, but, but like, I, I I don't know. I'm just saying like a lot of Lakers fans that, last year did this with the LeBron thing. They were just like, LeBron wants to come because he wants to play with Ingram and Ball, and he knows he can elevate. But the that's Gators. not that's not and, what I, I'm saying I, though. And I'm just I just want to nip this in the bud now. Like even if he does come, like that just that's not why. Let's just all agree to ourselves right now. This is like they stink. It's he's coming because. It's it's for his. Well, okay, now
1: we're now we're getting a little out of hand. Okay. They don't stink. I'm just saying it's it's you're right where it's not coming because he sees this roster as being one one piece away or one step away or anything like that. That's not at all what the mindset is. It, it's it's part LeBron with a little bit more desire to compete. I think a little bit. Um, look, I, I'm I don't do this. I do I, I never do this for potential free agents. I'm letting myself buy into this one. I don't know, like, I'm definitely not this far convinced that Kyrie Irving's going to sign with the Knicks. That seems like, that I'm still only, like, maybe, like, 35%, 40% sure. But, like, I don't know. I I, I just can't can help but believe that Kevin Durant's going to sign with the Knicks this summer.
0: You can include all those young players together, but don't you dare put Mitchell Robinson in that group. <laughs> <sighs> He is separate. He is his own. Okay.
2: I love. I love Mitch. I think he's the best guy out of the bunch. For now, but I just. Yeah, I just can't.
1: Let's kind of go into this a little bit deeper here. There's we just played the Sixers tonight and there's obviously a kind of benchmark that the, that the Knicks would like to hit in comparison to them at some point along the line. Like the Sixers very much were a team that bottomed out. They were a team that pretty much invented tanking. There's obviously all the tanking, the hinky stuff and the process stuff and all that stuff. Um, but, you know. You know, after the Colangelo thing and now Ellen Brand's in charge and everything, it's the game has kind of changed for them. Their team has very much cashed in a lot of their poker chips and made trades, especially for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler and all those guys. It's interesting to see where you could compare the Knicks to them right now at this point in their development. Like you know, I, it, Kyle, like Kyle saying, they're not necessarily a team whose roster on their own can attract a, a top tier free agent, but you know, could they or do their pieces have value in themselves? Do their asset are their assets still valuable? Like what, what can they do to kind of improve their team in a more Sixers ish vein? And and should that be the model they should follow?
0: Well, it in terms of it, should be the model they should follow in terms of this. If the Knicks are lucky enough to get those free the one or two free agents, then instead of waiting around and just being like, oh, this might go on an upward trajectory eventually basically kind of what the Lakers did with LeBron where they didn't push their chips in they waited and now the season has gone really poorly I would rather them follow that Sixers model where they took their assets and they turned it into other big players and they took a went from a long-term focus to more of we have this small window and we want to maximize it to the best of our ability And their window could be a little bit smaller than we think because you never know how Embiid's body is going to hold up. With the Knicks, it's Durant going to be 31 or Kyrie 27, 28. Instead of wasting any of those years, they should take the Mavs pick. They should take their draft pick potentially. They, They should just go get your three, four best players, make those guys as high a level as you possibly can, and then fill in the spaces with, uh smart low level low level moves and then the one guy i would try and keep out of all that to pair with the two high level guys is obviously mitch so it kind of
1: seems like you take a bigger risk in order to kind of accelerate the process a little well the process like literally but a little bit but you know it it's it's there's definitely a greater chance for for a downfall in that too
0: I just would I wouldn't want to fall into the place of where the Celtics kind of are now, even though they're really good. That's true. They you you kinda have that mix of youth and and vets and it's it's a hard balance to find. Sometimes you can get lucky and do it, but like you look at Golden State for the most part, it's they all kind of they were all around the same age. Philly, it's a little different because you don't typically get those young guys that are so good. So soon that can in a way, of contributing to winning basketball, but that that balance of making the young guys happy plus the vets happy is is difficult. So I would rather just accept that it's a little bit of a shorter window, and you're not trying to win in over like a six to eight year stretch, and it's more trying to win over like a hopefully a three to a three to five year stretch, and you're you're okay with and accepting of that. I think anytime you can
2: kind of kick open that window like the Sixers did, I think he got to take it, you know, especially like in their scenario, like Brian said, it's not le- ever really likely that you're going to get really two players like that. You know, one you'll, you'll get sometimes like we, you know, we had Porzingis, but but um, two at the same time is just, you know, the exact same timeline. It's very difficult. So, you know, if they're both on kind of, I mean, MB signed his extension, which is still, I think it's a very injury contingent. So, who knows how that deal looks, but I think, you know, Ben's still on a team deal, a team controlled contract. And I just think if, if you have money to spend, then yeah, why not spend it on trying to, you know, extend that window, open it up a little bit. You got to the semis last year when I don't think that was really, um, you know, going to be predicted at the beginning of the year. So it was sort of like the Yankees surprising in the 2017 uh, ALCS you know, all of a sudden you had this surprise window. Yeah, go for it. Go get a Giancarlo stand and figure it out. Try to push it open while you still can. So I think that's admirable. I think that's what you should try to do. Um, I think it's going to be tough for the Knicks to do something like that. Unless one of these guys like Mitch, if he's going to take big strides like this all throughout the end of the year and uh, go into next season really strong, then maybe you get somebody like that. But the other guy's got a, a little ways to go before they're uh, you know, we we can kind of follow that same mold anyway.
1: I uh, I kind of wonder if Philly has any more moves left in them. Like, uh, do you think they would ever consider swinging a uh, like a Simmons for someone with real high, high upside, or do you think maybe uh they you know they look elsewhere from Jimmy Butler this summer? Or I don't even know how their cap situation situation work out there. But I don't know. Do you think they got anything left in them? I thought you went like buyout market, uh, like trade wise. Um, maybe maybe buyout market. I mean, I mean, moving forward too, maybe this summer, depending on how you know how successful their postseason run is. I just wonder what more flexibility they could have with their roster.
0: I think they'd probably like to keep this group together and see what happens. Ah, that there—that's a really intriguing, high upside group of five that they have out there. That. If this goes a little bit wrong, if the Warriors break up, that there's no reason they wouldn't be capable of winning at all.
1: It's definitely interesting what's going on there. There's definitely a lot of ways that we could compare it back to us. It's, I think the Knicks have more, I feel like the Sixers had the higher upside players for their rebuild more so there's, you know, they obviously got Embiid out of it, and they kind of were able to, but at the same time, they I feel like they've also had more misses than the Knicks, but maybe they, they also have had, you know, taken several more swings. It, it's it's an interesting comparison, because they've just kind of built their toolboxes much differently, and it's like the Knicks also radically just changed their plan with the Porzingis trade. So, yeah, I don't, it, There's there's some similarities in how to look for draft picks, I think, and you know, it, it's it's important to pay attention to the timelines of when to cash in some of those assets in like a trade for for another star or something along those lines. But uh, I I think paying attention to how calculated the Sixers have been throughout their process is going to be real important for uh, for Perry and Mills.
2: Well, and to Brian's point way before about the Celtics, that's something that I brought up. I think it was I forgot who I brought it up to. Whether it was you guys in the chat or not, but it was there on Twitter. I thought that. At some point, like Ainge was accumulating assets like a madman. I was like, you just mathematically aren't going to have enough roster spots to play all this, you know, hopefully high-end talent you're going to draft with all these picks. And uh, at some point, you gotta you gotta cash those in. You know, maybe pick one or two you're going to keep, but you got to start cashing these things in before they start to, you know, depreciate. Like they had that Kings pick, and now that Kings pick suddenly looks awful. You know, like, the Kings are a playoff team at this moment in time in the middle of February. Like, that, that pick looks awful. I thought, you know, now you have, like, a Jalen Brown and a Tatum, and they have a bunch of other younger guys on that team. Like, you got to start to try to catch those in, or else you have more picks and more things coming and no place to put them. And I thought they should have swung a little bit sooner. Like, th- th- that's why I think the Bryant's point. You got to try to avoid, you know, they, they might realistically end up with just, you know, no Kyrie and then all, all these assets,
0: still nothing next year. And like a broken Hayward. Sh- word They should have moved in on any of the big three wings that have gotten traded over the last two years. Thought- Jimmy Butler or Paul George. One of those, after they got such the good deal on Kyrie where they only had to give up the nuts pick and nothing, and Crowder was something too, but that they didn't then take the other pieces and turn them into one of those other guys to pair with Kyrie was a big
2: mistake. I'm still surprised that they couldn't beat the, um, the pace of the the thunder offer. Cause at the time, and as big as Oladipo guys, I am at the time, the Oladipo stock wasn't all that good when the trade was made. So it was Oladipo who was like a very middling, but okay, I guess young talent player. And then Sabonis, who was just uh, you know, a rookie at the time, I believe. And it was like an okay trade, but no one was blown away. I think more people thought that the uh, the Thunder won that in a landslide. And they still maybe did with how he's playing now. But I- I'm just surprised like the Celtics couldn't hop in and just offer something better. It seems like they could have offered several packages that would have been better and not really detrimental to them. But
0: I don't know. Well, now, I mean, they basically decided, hey, we're going to sit on Anthony Davis. And that could work out very well for them, or it could blow up in their face. And then it's what you said, it's either Kyrie with this team or this team without Kyrie.
1: Guys, um, we're missing the most important news of the week, though. The Knicks have canceled Lafayette Appreciation Day.
2: Did we even get to? Oh, well, first of all, that's that's like masterclass level petty.
1: Oh, it's incredible. That's like it's that's extraordinary. like extraordinary
2: level petty because you know how you know extra you have to have to be till to, to wait till now to cancel this. Like I mean, I'm sure they canceled it. At the time of the trade and everything, but um, just just to like see it officially, and and you know all the things that they must have had to cancel entertainers and uh, I don't know if they had food or things like that, but it's a whole lot of things that, that they canceled
1: all all of Latvia from New York, the entire Latvian population just in a moment vanished.
2: Yeah, many people, you know, many Latvians probably bought tickets just for this game. Oh my God, all of them. And then there was, no, there was, yeah. no, no, they could have just left it. It could have been a really like mundane thing, and they're
1: just like, "No, we're just not doing it at all." Yep. Yep. I mean, I imagine they made it that late in the season too, so Chris stops could potentially play in it. Uh, yeah, it is uh, fascinating that, it, that it's maybe one of the top. That's a that's a Hall of Fame jab right there. That is that's that's a calculated, weighted move. After Kristaps was talking some shit about the Knicks, they they just waited and then let it let it get out. His day is canceled. They took a holiday away from him.
0: What, it's unbelievable. What am I supposed to do with the Latvian flag that I own? Hmm. Um.
1: I don't know. You could uh, give it a Viking funeral or something.
0: I'm being serious. There, too. I really do own a Latvian flag.
1: Were you gonna like? wave it around during the uh, championship parade?
0: When So my buddy bet me that I wouldn't wear it to the bar the first time the Knicks played the Suns, so I was in a bar in Phoenix with a Latvian flag when the Knicks played the Suns. <laughs> this is a wild That's extraordinary. That years ago.
1: That's extraordinary.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh.
0: Yeah, so that's my own Latvian flag.
1: Yeah, I want. Uh, you have to once the Knicks win the uh win the NBA Finals without Kristaps Porzingis, you need to be out there waving the Latvian flag just so he can see what he missed out on.
0: I'm done. I'll be in New York City with my Latvian flag. I'll hold on to yep. it. There you go. You solved the problem. I don't have to get rid of it.
1: Did Beautiful. We, did we even get to Kevin Knox ending Ben Simmons' life? No, we somehow missed that. His one, but like. It's exactly what I said, not to get too far back into this, but it's exactly what I said in the chat. He has one highlight play, and then he just disappears. And That is Kevin Knox, is rookie Houston. Now, while
2: you are so, so very accurate, sniper accurate, I'm going to blatantly ignore that.
1: Off no, that's fair. That's absolutely how fair.
2: Emphatic this one was, because this one seemed to be like one of those extending ones. Like, you know when... When, when the guy makes his initial jump and then stretches out and then he realizes it could be a special dunk and he just seemingly stretches out like six more inches. His arms just kind of get a little bit higher and then he just throws it down a little bit harder. That's what it looked like. And the best, it, like there was, it was, it was art fellas. It was art because not only did Ben Simmons go for the contest and, and then get yam done. Uh, Kevin Knox also did the swing through a little bit on the dunk and then uh Ben Simmons fell over and just slid on his back to the back step. And then as that's happening, do you know who's coming out of the corner of the screen, full sprint, to sort of laugh at the fallen Ben Simmons? It's Dennis Smith Jr., <laughs> who for <a> weirdo reason, <laughs> absolutely loathes Ben Simmons. And they just want at publicate. <laughs> so, I they, love it. That's my favorite rivalry. So you it's one sided the shit, but Dennis Smith Jr. after after the Yamage is done and the hammer has been dropped, and he has slipped into the floor. Dennis Smith Jr. just sprints full speed over to Ben Simmons and sort of does a flex and laughs and walks away. So it was just uh, DeAndre Jordan made a repeat of the face that he made four years ago on the Brandon Knight dunk. Um, everything that happened at a five-second radius
0: of that dunk was beautiful and perfect. Is there a player on an opposing team that Dennis Smith does like I'm hoping not.
2: We, we you know what? They, I think you were the one in Slack chat who said uh, don't don't do the Westbrook comparison. Uh, maybe not on court, but like like ability wise per se. But if we we're gonna have somebody who's just gonna scowl at everybody, and and it be Dennis Smith Jr., I would take that very much. Every every team needs like a scowl guy, and if he could be our guy, and he's also the guy who we're hoping to produce the most offense, I will take it. I will pretend he's our Westbrook. He's going to be a Dollar General Westbrook, and I will take it.
1: He's what? I feel like he's. Still, I think he's supposed to disown some players on the Dallas Mavericks, though. Like, I feel like he's still friends with, like, Devin Harris or somebody. I just kind of feel like it's hard not to be friends with Devin Harris if you're around him for that many years. I'm pretty sure Devin Harris does the, like. Is he still playing? He is still playing. He's back. Who does
2: the Nets telecast now? Which one of their players? Richard the Nets?
1: Jefferson. It's Richard Jefferson. Yeah, it's Jefferson Ball doing, Ball doing Ball that now. Net. Okay. Who, who's doing Cleveland's broadcast, by the way? It's Austin do you know who that is? I think. They're insufferable. <laughs> you don't like Austin Carr? It was so bad.
2: In, no, I can't do Utah. I cannot do... That's the one. I, I can't...
1: I can't. Uh-oh. I'm trying. I I gotta figure out who they who the broadcast partner is with that.
0: I have. I am I was gonna say something. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut.
1: uh Oh, is it? Is it? Well,
0: is it that? Okay. You don't have to. No, I'm just gonna leave it be. I'm not gonna do it. You okay. sure? Yeah. You, so sure, you sure. seem like you
2: really want to say <laughs> it. Cause it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like you
0: want to say it. <laughs> I do, but I'm not going to. Because <laughs> it did.
2: Because it. It sounds like it's burning. It's, the, it's,
0: not, it's not good radio unless you say it. It is. It's, it's great. I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. If anyone actually listens, they know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to say it. Can you give? Can you give me a hint of which part? I don't think we know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. We're talking about broadcast teams that we don't like. Oh, I know what you're talking about.
2: You son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the Clyde thing was wrong. It was always wrong, but you really, you really crossed the line when he just had to do the Breen thing too. You could have just left Breen alone. Did you he hear
0: he? had an all-time line though. About. I did not say anything out loud. I, I don't know what you're speaking of.
1: He had an all-time line tonight though, uh, where Breen made a trying to make a Bond joke, and he goes, "I'm trying humor here, Clyde. I'm trying my best." If that doesn't sum up where we are at this point, not even just in the season, but in just, like, the, like, ether as Knicks fans, I don't know what else does.
0: What about the part in the game where Clyde asked if Luke Cornett and Mitchell Robinson had played together yet this season? <laughs> <laughs> <And they> played- <laughs> that <laughs> I kind of felt you before. there. I'm looking it up right now. In the last game, they played a team-high 28 minutes together. <laughs> Listen, it's
1: it's been a long season. I can only imagine it's been longer. It's, it must have felt like an eternity for Clyde at this point.
0: Okay, can you imagine that, trying? Hold on. I'm being unfair. It was 12 minutes. They played 12 minutes two games ago. Tonight, they played 28 minutes together. So, in 40 minutes, the last two games, I've been sitting here updating NBA.com this entire podcast, and it finally updated. Mm-hmm. 111.6 offensive rating. 89.7 defensive rating in 40 minutes together. Those two so far this season, Jesus Christ. So not the season, but the last two games, that's what they've done.
1: All right. Well, let's see if they can keep that shit up.
0: We've got um, the greatest big man combination in the history of the NBA.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to get into tonight? Cool. Well, uh, for all of us here, I mean, I'm gonna do like the Romberg, the ending, you know, like in, in Anchorman. Be the uh from all of us here at the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. Uh, good night, whatever. What is it, San Diego? It's, it's stay New York. <laughs> stay classy. It's
2: one fucking line, <laughs> no, Anthony. Better
0: keep that. It's
1: my favorite movie too, and I just
0: well, lost it there. Well,
2: not, you liar. If you couldn't nail his his, his catchphrase.
0: Don't you stay, dare delete stay, that. I better hear no,
1: that if I listen to the podcast. Are you fucking... No, not a chance. I, I edit this podcast. I will delete it right out. Don't you worry. No, you monster. All my, all my transgressions get left in this podcast. Yeah. That's the it. glory. That's the glory of being the one who edits these things. I'm not staying up until like 2 o'clock in the morning editing this thing without having its perks. All right. We're well, shame you anyway. Stay classy, guys. Don't forget, I have this call recorded, my friend. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right, um, I should probably do some. I, I've been bad with plug-in tonight. It's not been my night. It's not my best night. Uh, not my best work. Uh, make sure you follow the TKW podcast on Twitter. Follow the Knicks wall on Twitter. You can follow Kyle Maggio and Brian Gimmerman. Kyle might have some uh, blackmail against me at some point soon, so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, you know, do all that, subscribe, five-star review, please. I don't know if this I necessarily give a five-star effort on this episode, but five-star review anyway, and uh, we'll talk to you all later.